almost you know 90% of the time the hunters that are trying the hammocks they're just not they're not taking the the information that's out there and, and using it they're they're doing the pad in the hammock or not using insulation yeah. or, or different things so do it smart you know like learn from these from these other sectors of, of hikers and whatnot that have that have optimized it and and I think um, I think it's a fantastic setup especially for like an early season elk hunt so study the cult and drink the kool-aid <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Exo Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Welcome to episode 168. In this show, we're talking about hammocks, otherwise known as the bear burrito. We talk with Tayson from Outdoor Vitals about hammocks, when to use them, the pros and cons, and most importantly, if you're interested in a hammock, how to do it right. So both Steve and I have tried hammocks in the past with varying levels of success. They're no doubt comfortable, but can they be warm? Can they work in the backcountry during hunting season? We answer these questions and much more in this episode. I'm sure you guys will find it valuable. The giveaway for this month is with Easton Archery. So if you want to enter to win a dozen arrows from Easton, go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast, and you can get entered there. Easton has so many different arrows and arrow shafts for you to choose from, whether you want something fast and light or heavier and harder hitting. Personally, I've been shooting the FMJs for years and absolutely love them. So go check those out at exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast and get entered. Okay, let's dive right into this conversation with Tayson, discussing the pros and cons and the how-to with hammocks. Tayson, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, happy to be here. Big fan. Yeah. Steve, or, uh, have you been, you've done a little bit in hammocks, right, Steve? I have, yeah. Um... I think, gosh, it was it was when I first kind of got into it, um, and I had, you know, I'm sure Tayson will attribute to this. I it was uh, just didn't know what I was getting into, and it was like 20 degrees or something the first night. Like I scouted with it during the summer, it was great, and then and then had no sleeping pad, and it got really cold one night, and then oh, uh, yeah, that was very very chilly night. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that was my uh, I've I've honestly not gone back and explored it. So cool. Yeah. So, so you had nothing underneath you, no pad or nothing. Um, I had, I no, I, I take that back. I had like this REI like torso pad, but it kept um, sliding out from me. Yeah. Um, so it'd slide out to the side. I'd end up with my shoulder and my, you know, basically my whole body would be, would be just on the. It was, um, oh man, uh, uh, Hennessy hammock. Yeah. One that, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the natural progression is people like, oh, I want to try hammock camping. They grab a, a sleeping pad and, and they give it a shot. And yeah, for the most part, that's where it ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did like there were some things I just absolutely loved about it. I mean, the whole um, 
you know, it was one of those like, um, am I going to be able to find a, a tree and a rock or a couple trees at the right distance to hike to? And I found like the complete opposite of like, it's way easier to find two trees to tie off to than it is to find a nice flat spot to pitch a tent. Yeah. Uh, and, and you could be on the side of a steep freaking mountain and there's trees everywhere where you could ever pitch a tent and you could just go to sleep right there. It was that part of it was really cool. Yeah. So I think for elk hunters, especially just you're being yeah. so mobile typically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have a funny years ago, did a, like a quick summer backpacking trip and the forecast was, you know, 0% chance of weather and it was warm and, I was like, I'm just going straight hammock, uh, no insulation underneath, no tarp, no nothing. It's just going to be gorgeous. I'm going to stare at the stars all night when I'm not sleeping. And we got one of those freak summer thunderstorms that just was not at all called for. And so I spent the night wet and cold and shivering. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, like Steve, I'm, there's a there's a lot to like about hammocks. Uh, I just think you have to, to do it right and know what you're getting into. So that's what we want to talk with you today about Tayson. Um, before we dive further into it, just go ahead and give us some like context, background, tell us a little bit about yourself and then Outdoor Vitals as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. So I, I grew up in a small town in southern Utah, about 7,000 people. Um, I thought I was from the big city because I was the biggest city in like an hour from my area. So I uh, just kind of grew up just always outdoors, loving the outdoors. Um, and then we were hunters, you know, so but but I'll preface that with saying that we were a specific kind of hunter. You know, I grew up in a family that had hunted for generations, but um, it used to be, you know, they'd hunt off of horses and different things. And over time, that kind of faded out of my family and became a road hunter. So, you know, that that purebred road hunter shirt you see around, that was like, I could wear that back then for sure. Um, <laughs> we'd just drive for hours and hours. I just remember as a kid too, just being sick because we'd just eat like rifle hunt, you know, just eating like Halloween candy all day, bouncing around in a Jeep. <laughs> and, you know, I, and it was tough. I didn't love it too. I was the youngest in the family. I kind of got told where to go and, and whatnot. I was, you know, the last to get to pick where what we were doing. Um, so as I got into college though, I started to just like I got to go hunt for myself and I really started to love it. Then I started to really enjoy it, started getting off the roads, um, served an LDS mission. And when I got back, I got really serious into more of the backcountry um, backpacking type lifestyle and, and getting out there. And so as I started to do more ultralight hiking, I also started to do ultralight backpacking. Um, they just kind of went hand in hand for me. Um, for me, once I graduated college, I ended up starting, uh, the company that, that I'm part of today, which is outdoor vitals. Um, started that super humble beginnings, you know, I had like 500 bucks in my bank account and, and went after it. Um, and so since then, obviously we've, we've grown quite a bit and, and also my level of, of just dedication to backcountry style hunting and whatnot has grown as well. Um, you know, just, yeah, just kind of been through that whole gamut. Also, like I've just become a real student for hunting. So, you know, honestly, since maybe 2012, 2013, I've just become a huge student of hunting, started reading books, um, listening to podcasts, obviously, and that's just had a massive impact on success levels of my hunting. And it's crazy to look back now and be like, think of all the years that I hunted before that and realize like what I didn't know. And it just kills you. Like I was, I don't know what I was doing hunting. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even call it hunting anymore. You know, it was just, you know, I was like, wasn't glassing, you know, I had a good pair of binos. They were probably, you know, 150 bucks or something. They were a great pair of binos back, you know, just stuff like that. And and so things have changed so much to, to look back on. Yeah. Was it this past fall you did a trip to Colorado for elk? 
Um, no, that elk was actually taken in Utah. Um, oh, okay. So I, that was that was like my you know 14 year draw Utah limited entry tag. So yeah, um, that was I've been living reliving that every day. I feel like just wishing I could have that tag again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but man, that's but, cool. But that was that hunt was great because that that was um, a hunt that I did 100% out of a hammock. So obviously running outdoor vitals, I have the ability to take any piece of gear, any style of gear. Um, and even if I don't have it, I can chalk it up to R and D. And, and so of all the different systems that are available, um, I, I did choose a hammock system and spent 10 nights out of it on that hunt. And obviously you guys, as you mentioned, you guys make hammocks, uh, you also make tents. So this isn't a conversation to be a hammock commercial. Like this is the pros and cons. I'm curious when do, and why do you choose a hammock? Um, just to kind of start that conversation off with pros and cons and we'll kind of hit the checklist if you will, but just from personal experience, if you look at a trip, when and why do you choose a hammock over a tent? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just kind of relive through this hunt as I'm looking at this hunt. Um, you know, it's a high hunt, almost 11,000 feet, um, just kind of going up and above that at times. I knew that there was enough trees up there, but the biggest thing is, um, elk move, quite a bit. A lot of them get on, you know, rotational patterns and, and different things. And, and there's a lot of elk, you know, in this unit and I'm watching huge areas of land. I'm getting up on these peaks and glass and miles. And, uh, so I wanted to be mobile. So with the hammock, one of the biggest advantages is it's extremely mobile. So my whole hammock kit and setup is, is in that four pound range, depending on what temperature rating I'm needing to jump to. Um, but I'm right at about four pounds. And then, I can take it down in seconds. I can put it up, you know, really, really fast. I don't have to find flat ground. I just need two trees on the side of a hill on flat, you know, it just doesn't matter. So, um, for a nomadic type hunter that might be picking up his camp and putting it down every night, uh, it's, it's just a faster, cleaner system. I will say there's a learning curve. So like you need to maybe practice setting up your hammock, you know, before you go out there. But once you learn how to set it up, it's really fast and really efficient and then the other thing is it's super consistent sleep. So, and that was probably the bigger one for me is for the most part, I knew the area well enough that I was going to pick a central location and kind of drop camp, um, whenever I could. <clears throat> but for me, it's the consistency of sleep. So on a sleeping pad on the ground, sometimes, you know, you're sliding off your pad or if you're not on level ground, sometimes you're hitting a rock underneath you, different things. And it's in, even with a really good pad, you know, I sleep on three, three and a half inch thick pads it's, it's good sleep, but in a hammock, it's the exact same sleep. Like every night, it's just super consistent. If you can get comfortable in a hammock, you can get comfortable in any campsite anywhere in that hammock. Cool. So we're, we're going to dive into the nitty gritty in terms of your whole hammock setup. Um, it, even choosing a spot, choosing trees, you know, how to sleep, like issues for stomach sleepers, slide sleepers. We have a ton of questions to get into. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the pros there. If you can kind of set it up anywhere, you don't need a flat spot for a tent. Obviously, you need some trees, but those are in most country like easy to come by, right? Um, yeah, and they don't have to be close either. I mean, they can be anywhere from like twelve feet apart to like twenty. So there's 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 more like people think they need to be exactly spaced apart. That's usually yeah. not a factor either. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. Um, you mentioned setup and teardown. Just quick, one interesting thing I didn't fully realize until I used hammocks a little bit. Just kind of going not so much into the the setup itself, but the packing up after you've been set up is that with the hammock, you just tend to not have condensation issues. So you have like a hammock, you have your tarp above that, but you're, you're not putting away that wet tent, you know, that you can sometimes have to deal with when you're moving camp a lot, which is another nice kind of little benefit as well. 
Yeah, completely. There's just enough ventilation in there, which some look at as a pro or a con, but condensation is never an issue. Yeah. When do you personally choose to take something besides a hammock? Um, for me, when I go on my third season Colorado hunt, I'm typically going back to the ground. Um, and a lot of that is like, like I'll usually take both systems in my truck when I head out to, to third season Colorado. And when I get there, I'll kind of make that decision. Um, I'm yet to choose the hammock. And one of the main reasons is I find that in the three seasons, you know, typically rain's coming down and rain falls much more straight down. Sometimes it can rain sideways, but it doesn't truly rain sideways. Snow, on the other hand, if it's blowing and snowing, just the lighter weight nature of it, it can blow straight sideways and it could blow underneath your tarp really easy. And, and, you know, you might be bouncing around in the night potentially. I, I mean, I just, like I got up there this last time I was in Colorado and it was just blowing snow straight sideways and I did that for four days. And I was very happy to have a tent set up. That's not to say that hammocks don't work really well in that, you know, four season type of condition, but you're going to need a bigger tarp that goes straight to the ground. And, you know, I wouldn't, I, I would say, you know, you got to be more, a little bit more of an experienced camper or a uh, hammocker to, to do that. Okay, cool. So I'm like a three season hammock person, one season, you know, winter season, uh, ground sleeper. Yeah. Hmm. Got it. It's funny when we reached out to listeners about, you know, what questions did our listeners have about hammocks? Um, you know, them knowing that we we're going to discuss this on the podcast. One of the first responses that I saw, which I just had to laugh because I've heard this before, but I knew it was going to come up is somebody asked, how do you keep bears from eating you like a taco? So if we could just start <laughs> like, you know, to, to answer some listener questions with that, what's, what's your, what's your personal and professional answer to that one? <laughs> oh, oh, we get that all the time. We've got a particular hammock setup that, uh, is, is a hybrid type system and it literally looks just like a burrito on there. And every single ad that we have out there, 10 people will comment, Hey, bear burrito, you know, or tag their friends saying that. So um, no, we have never had or had issues with our customers, you know, getting eaten by a bear. Uh, one did maul a setup, you know, during the daytime when someone was not in the setup. So we did see that. So there might be some validity there. I don't know, yeah. but no, I mean, it's, it's the same. I like it better. Cause I feel like in a tent, you feel like you're in four walls. You can't see anything. And a lot of times with the tarp, you can pitch it however you want and keep good visual. But in Utah and, and in, even in Colorado, I've, I haven't had issues with bears if i went up to you know idaho i'd i'd be thinking of it maybe a little different yeah even in idaho it's not something i'd be too concerned about right (laughs) yeah obviously i think that question was uh sarcastic and meant to be funny but we did i mean we did have somebody ask um kind of about the mental game of feeling less safe in a hammock than a tent is that something you truly see when you talk with customers or guys have concerns about absolutely yeah um I don't know. For me, I, I don't know. I just don't have that fear. Um, solo camping, solo camping in a hammock, whatever it is. I haven't ever experienced that fear. And I, I'll be honest, I feel like that fear dissipated for me the second I started hunting predators. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got hunt coyotes or, or maybe wolves in Idaho, different things. And you, I don't know for me, like I saw how skittish they were. And I, and you know, if you, the longer you're out in the woods, the less that fear is there. So for me, it doesn't bother me, but I definitely know friends, family, different things that they want four walls securely around them. And, uh, so for that, I mean, obviously I th- I've heard you guys talk about it a little bit, but, but one thing you could do in a hammock is you could get a big four season, um, tarp that would go to the ground and it's going to still give you that feeling of, you know, four walls completely around me. Um, hopefully that would help with certain people. Others, I would just say, you know, just experience, just go out and do it. Um, do it with a group of people at first and, and just 
you know, do it safer, maybe do it closer to your car or something and just work your way past those fears. Because I mean, for the most part, humans are the most dangerous thing in the woods. So it's purely a mental game. I mean, there's nothing unsafe about a hammock or um, less safe than being in a tent. I mean, either way, we're talking about really thin material between you and supposedly something <laughs> that's going to kill you. So either way, you're kind of screwed if something's truly there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that bigger tarp, I mean, it's a mental thing. It might just yeah. being able to take it right to the ground might change it for someone. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point. I like it. So we touched on it, but I w- let's start with site selection, kind of site setup. So choosing trees and distance, and then just walk us through like, what do you do if those trees are further apart or closer together? Like get into some of the practical tips on setting up a hammock essentially yeah so so first thing is when you're looking at a hammock most people think of like a typical and nothing against them but like an eno double nest type hammock Um, and those hammocks are more for lounging and car camping and stuff like that not so much for backpacking Um, and so you need to consider too that like my hammock weighs 16 ounces and that's with the strapping adjustments and whatnot so when you go to look at your hammock a big thing is to look at the way that you're attaching it to the tree um, you can buy those separate. You can buy them with the package. Um, but essentially, you need good adjustment and you need it to be as light as possible. Some are like the big webbing loops and they just got loops and loops and loops. Those are really heavy and they usually don't give you as much adjustment as you could get out of a different system. The system that I would highly recommend um, is one where you've got a tree strap, which is typically like a either a Dyneema strap or um, like a, like a seatbelt fabric that that's like what ours is, is a seatbelt style fabric. That's about one inch. That's going to wrap around the tree. And then that's going to connect to what's called a whoopee sling. A whoopee sling is this tiny cord made out of Dyneema as well. Um, but it's like 1500 pound test limit. It's just extremely strong stuff. And then we thread it. So it's like a Chinese finger trap. Um, so there's no like clipping and unclipping. It's just, you slide the rope to where you want it. And then you kind of milk the, um, the Chinese finger trap portion down and it completely locks it in. There's no way to get that rope to slip. And so you get huge adjustment. So with that setup, um, like I say, you can get out to, you know, 20 foot trees as long as they're like a foot around instead of like 10 feet around. Um, or you could really shrink that down to where maybe you're, you're cutting out the, the Nadima whoopee sling altogether. You're going straight to the tree straps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you're looking for that type of a setup and then definitely a setup that's not a heavy strapping system where there's just more fabric and more weight in it. So as you increase the distance between trees for your setup, you're, you're going to have to go at a higher uh, point on that tree, right? Correct. So typically what you're looking for is to look at about eye level. Now that can change, you know, about a foot, but you're looking to put your straps on your trees about eye level. Now, if you're going out to 20 feet, you're going to want to go maybe a foot above that. If you're really close, um, you may be able to even go, you know, more chin or shoulder level, um, for most people. And and you just kind of learn that for yourself over time. I like to stand between the two trees and then just pivot my head back and forth and pick a spot on each tree, especially if I'm on unlevel ground. Um, because one thing is if you get it higher on one tree and lower on another tree, it can cause you to slide a little bit in the hammock. So I stand right in the middle. I look at the one tree, I pick a spot on it. I look at the other tree, I pick a spot on it. Um, and then I walk to the tree and, and strap it right around that particular spot go to the other tree, do the same thing. And then once I set up my hammock, like this is kind of a, an easy thing. Some people will have levels and different things that they'll do to like get the perfect sleep. I typically take my bag, I put it in my hammock and I let it roll. And if it rolls past the middle of the hammock, I know I need to raise one side or lower the other side. That's a good little tip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you do it enough. You start to pick up on little things like that. Um, one other thing I would say is, um, 
typically, I mean, the, the most comfortable way, the way that I'm going to advocate, especially in this podcast to do is, is using like a diagonal lay. So you're not laying straight between the trees. You're laying with your feet off to one side and your head off to the other side a little bit. Um, and so you also need to get kind of the right amount of sag. Um, so there's a couple ways to do that. You know, one way that helps is to use what's called a ridge line. And that ridge line is going to go above the hammock between the two carabiners or between the two ends of the hammock. And you put that, at, I think, at 82% of your hammock length. And that gives you kind of that optimal sag level. Or you can go and look at the tree straps themselves and how they're coming into the hammock. And if you do like a right angle with your finger and your thumb, and you put that up to the line, you know, if you're touching with your finger and touching with your thumb, that's about a 30% angle. And that's also, you know, another way to potentially get that right. Okay. So your, your index fingers, like, did you say index finger and thumb, right? Yep. Index okay. finger and thumb. And like, so like index... you're shooting like a, like a finger gun, right? But yeah. you'd, you'd put that up there and it kind of gives you that 30 degree angle. Okay. So your thumb would be like parallel with the tree pointing up and then the index finger would be coming out kind of horizontal with the ground. Correct. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. I just want to make sure it wasn't the other way around because that would be a much no, different no. angle. <laughs> yeah, totally different angle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. No, that's really. So helpful. it's funny that you recommend uh, level. I guess what, maybe one of the things I did wrong is for some reason I was trying to get my feet up a little bit higher. Um, I don't know where no. I read that or my logic there. I mean, your feet will naturally be a little bit higher because of the sway of the hammock, so you don't need to make that worse. I guess, like, okay. not, not make it worse, but you don't need to exaggerate it. Or, or, you know, if you, if you have your feet too high, whether it's on the ground, I just barely did this on a camp out, um, and I was sleeping on the ground and I had my feet higher than my head and I was too lazy to flip around. And there's a few reasons and, and it makes your feet colder. Potentially you get less yeah. circulation, yeah. just different things like that. So yeah, you don't need to, you, you want your hammock as level as possible as and you'll as get possible. a little bit, a little bit of that bow in it just by the shape of the hammock. Okay. So that's one thing I do like, just, just a side note is, you know, my grandpa used to always tell us, you know, if you put your feet above your head, it helps, you know, rejuvenate, get some of that blood really flowing and whatnot. And I feel like in a hammock, you get a little bit of that and just get good, good flow throughout the night. Yeah. Elaborate on the lane straight versus lane diagonal. Um, what are, what's the benefit to going diagonal there? Yeah. So laying straight would mean your feet are directly pointing at one tree and your head is pointing directly at the tree behind you, right? You're just straight, just like your hammock, laying the same angle as your hammock. Um, laying on a diagonal would mean you take your feet and you kick them off to the side, let's say at a 20 degree angle, and your head is also coming off at about a 20 degree angle the other direction. Um, hopefully that makes sense, but essentially you're laying in your hammock sideways. Um, so think of like sitting in your hammock, if you were just to sit in it, you usually side enter and you just lean back. Um, it's kind of a combination of doing that or laying with your feet straight to the tree or back. So you're, you're hitting it on this angle. And what that does is it's going to help you lay flat in the hammock. So if you lay straight tree to tree in a straight lay, you're going to have your feet come up like a, like you basically are laying like a banana, right? Your feet are going high, your head's going high and you're, you're going to have that banana shape. And for most people, that's what they think of when they think of hammock camping. They see that and they're like, oh, I could never sleep like that. Um, and there are some ways to make that better. Like I said, we've got a system that we do actually sleep straight. Um, it's kind of a good, better, best system. That's that's a that's a good system, but it's not the best system as far as comfort in the hammock. So what I'm typically recommending to people is that they are laying diagonal in the hammock. They're getting on that side. You're using a very long hammock. So like a 10-foot hammock would be the shortest hammock I would recommend. Typically, a 10 to 11-foot hammock is what you're looking for. And that also makes it so that you don't get any kind of tor like torque happening in the hammock as you lay on those angles. So 
you get, let's say, a 10-foot hammock. You kick your heels off to one side, your head off to the other side, and you'll be really surprised at how flat you're laying in that. And what I, when I mean flat, I mean like like you don't have your feet too high and your head's not too high. Like your feet and your head and your butt are all about the same level. So sleeping position makes me think of a couple questions that we got from from guys who tend to be either a stomach sleeper, you know, just in a traditional bed or what have you, and or side sleepers. So if a guy's a stomach sleeper or a side sleeper in general, is he going to be able to use a hammock? Or do you maybe find that those guys, once they're in a hammock, are comfortable on their back? Like, what are some of the considerations there? Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I'm a 100% side sleeper. Like, I can maybe sleep on my back, you know, 20, 30 minutes, like max. And it's difficult to fall asleep that way for me. Like, I'm a huge side sleeper. That's why when I do sleep on the ground, I've got a big, thick pad because I have to be able to get on my side. In a hammock, um, you can get on your side. And also sleeping on your back is way more comfortable than like, for me at least, it just feels like really comfortable and cradling to lay on my back. So even though I'm a huge side sleeper in a bed, I can lay on my back in a hammock and be comfortable, but I also rotate. I'll rotate to one side and, you know, I'll wake up halfway through the night and I'll just roll to the other side and keep sleeping. Stomach sleepers, I don't have a good answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Got it. You You can try it. (laughs) Yeah. Do you use a pillow in the hammock at all? I do not, um, unless I'm sleeping in a straight position. If I'm sleeping in a straight position, I do not. I, I I don't use the pillow behind my head. I actually use it under my knees. Putting it under my knees relieves any kind of hyperextension that could potentially happen, and it also kind of helps you change that angle in your back and lay it a little bit straighter in the hammock. But if I'm going on a diagonal lay, uh, I don't use a pillow. And just revisiting, because I was I was picturing the diagonal lay in my head, and you mentioned the longer hammocks necessary, and I'm assuming. You know, if you take either end of a hammock, it's coming to a point like either end is pinching, right? And so you need that longer hammock so you're not trying to lay diagonal uh, near the ends of the hammock. Is that right? Correct, yeah. If you've got a shorter hammock and you're trying to lay on a diagonal, you're going to fight the hammock. Like it's going to try to force you to go straight. You're going to be trying to force it to go sideways, and it creates kind of that torque throughout the night. So let's talk about tarps. Um, So obviously hammock, and we're going to get into other things like insulation underneath, but Let's talk about coverage up top and tarps. You mentioned just in passing, um, you know, different styles, different shapes, different amounts of coverage. Like just walk us through what to look at, what to consider when choosing a tarp, um, you know, or some other coverage for a hammock setup. Yeah, for most people, I'm recommending a six-sided tarp. Um, Typically, I you know, I like catenary cuts. It helps keep the – and a catenary cut means it's slightly cut in towards the center of the tarp between both points. That helps with keeping the hammock – or the, excuse me, the tarp tight, the tension out of it and, and whatnot. Um, but if you have a six-sided tarp, that gives you really, really good coverage. Um, typically, what I like to do too is I'll put like two trekking poles under one side of it and lift up the side so you have really easy access in and out when you're you know, playing around with your gear or cooking or, or just hanging out. Um, but that six sided tarp gives you a lot of coverage. You can do a four sided tarp and you're going to like, obviously put like the two corners tied to the trees and then two sides straight, um, like at 90 degrees from the trees. Um, and that's going to give you good coverage as well. But personally, I like the six sided tarp gives you a little bit more coverage, um, for gear and storage and whatnot. So I'd recommend that for most people. It's also a good, like a tarp is a good thing because it's, it's dual use. Um, you know, you can use it on the ground in an ultralight setting, you could, you could totally use it on the ground. Um, and then there are four season tarps, which would basically be like a six sided tarp just with more material so that it can go all the way down to the ground. And then usually they'll have stakes for kind of doors on each end. So kind of, um, 
on the tree sides, there's these doors that kind of overlap. Um, I don't have any of those, you know, on, uh, on, for outdoor vitals. Um, place to look for that would be like, I think Warbonnet has some or, or different places like that. But so those are kind of the different coverages. For most people, like like when you think of a tarp, definitely don't think of like your blue big tarp from Walmart. You know, you're looking at a, at a tarp that's, you know, less than 16 ounces, usually sill nylon or sill polyester. Um, and yeah, like, like I say, a four-sided tarp works well. Um, for me though, I typically am hedging towards a six-sided tarp. It just gives you a little bit more coverage under that. So one of the concerns I've had about using hammocks for extended trips or, you know, when the weather is more variable, um, is just kind of the livability of a hammock setup in terms of not sleeping, but like at night after the hunt, cooking, lounging, or even like, let's say you get a day that's mostly rain it's not a good hunt day and otherwise you could pass that in a tent and be playing cards or whatever but now you're in this hammock and do you have coverage so with with that six cut um six-sided tarp and of a decent size do you still find that you can kind of use that just to what's called livable space um, and it's not just covering the hammock itself for sleeping yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the best part of a hammock is the lounging aspect is so like, like I say, what I'll do is I'll take the, like, I'll pick one side of my tarp. I'll take my trekking poles and I'll pitch that side of the tarp high. Like I'll extend them as high as they go, throw the corners over that and, and, and extend that up. And then you've kind of got that, um, porch mode is what a lot of people will call it, where you can walk in and walk out of your hammock and then you can sit. So instead of sitting on the ground, you're lounging in a hammock, you're cooking out of your hammock. You know, I just cook right, right underneath my hammock typically, and I'll just kind of lounge there. And, and so that part is, is really nice. Um, one thing I will say is like, if you're, if you're with two people and you're, you know, the kind of people that are, would share a tent, um, that can be nice if you're experiencing like a full day of bad weather and you are the kind of person that just wants to sit in your tent during that day. Um, sometimes it's nice because otherwise you're kind of calling back and forth between hammocks. Like they, like typically you can get them pitched pretty close to each other or sit, like a lot of times we'll share at least one of the same trees. Um, but you're still like not face to face. You can play cards in that type of a setting. Um, a lot of people though, like what they'll do is, is if they do want to sit on the ground, they'll roll their hammock up and, and just kind of pull it up higher out of the way. And that way you could sit underneath there as well. Um, I personally have never been like trapped in my shelter all day. I typically just put on my rain gear and go anyways, um, and wait for those breaks to, to be right in the right position. But, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely options there. Um, for, for everyday type lounging, I prefer a hammock because I don't have to sit on the ground and get dirty or sit on a rock or try to find a pad to sit on. Um, you just get to sit right in that hammock and kind of swing around while you're cooking stuff and lounging around. Yeah, it's interesting too, as you mentioned, I mean, the tarp can be used for other scenarios, which I think is a, another benefit there. So let's talk about um, one of the primary concerns. We got a lot of questions on it. Steve, you mentioned it up front, and that's just colder weather. So we're, we'll get into like the specifics, um, on how to deal with that, how to protect yourself in colder weather. But in general, do you feel like that there is a lower limit that you should transition, um, back to the ground? Or do you feel like with the right setup, you can do a hammock at pretty much any temperature? You can totally do a hammock at any temperature. Like I say, I'm kind of, I kind of touched on the fact that I usually in the fourth season, I'm going back to the ground and that's kind of personal preference that may change in the future. But, um, there's some guys out there you can definitely find on, on YouTube and whatnot. And they're sleeping in their hammocks at like, you know, negative 20, negative 30. Um, they're definitely pushing those limits like big time. 
Um, and they're going to start changing things. They'll start doubling up insulations. They may even go back to a straight light to get more efficiency out of their insulation. Um, just, just different options as far as that goes to get lower. So for someone like us though, we're typically making our gear in a, in a zero degree, a 15 degree and a 30 degree setup. Um, I'm typically advocating people get either the 15 or the 30 degree setup and using it in three seasons. Um, but the biggest part is, is avoiding that, that CBS, right? The cold butt syndrome. And that's going to come from, from that quilt, whatever's underneath you, um, keeping you warm. Like most of the time, it's not a problem keeping you warm on the top. People understand that concept, but they don't understand is keeping your backside warm in a hammock. For guys who haven't thought of it, like the hammock's new to them. Explain why that underside gets cold and why you can't just, you know, crawl up in a sleeping bag and get in a hammock and be warm. Yeah. So anything that you lay on is compressing underneath you and providing no thermal value. That's why, you know, people are switching to quilts on the ground is because in a sleeping bag, whatever you're laying on is just compressing and there's no value to it. The warmth on the ground comes from your pad. Well, you jump in a hammock and you don't have a pad in that hammock, which I mean, some people do, but it's, it's not ideal. Um, and so you've compressed all your insulation. And so now you're, you're not only, you know, don't have any insulation underneath you, but now you've got like any breeze is blowing right against you. It's not like the the ground is underneath you where there's no breeze. Like there's a breeze and there's no insulation. So then get really cold on your backside if you've got nothing underneath you. And then explain why the just putting a sleeping pad in a hammock because clearly people try that. Uh, and some people like it, but I think it has some issues. Explain why that doesn't work well or at least ideally. Yeah. So a sleeping pad in a hammock, um, <laughs> one, like, like there's a lot of things there. Like one, you're going to have a harder time getting on any kind of an angle. You're going to probably be more sleeping in a straight line because your pad is going to be fighting with your hammock all night. And most people, I would say like as high as like 90% of people that try that style, they end up waking up through the night and their pad is either halfway out of the hammock or their pad is literally on the ground next to the hammock. And they don't know how that happened because your pad is just not built to conform into to the hammock. And so it just, it wants to move and roam and the hammock's pushing it this way and you roll this way and it just pops out of there. Um, so a pad is like, you could trial it in that method by putting a pad into a hammock to provide that warmth from underneath. But if you do that, like you have to realize like that's not really how the hammock should be used and you're not going to have a great experience with it. Um, so it's kind of like, I don't even know if it's worth trying because you're going to make it a decision about the hammock kind of like Steve did where yeah. it's not the accurate way that it should be portrayed if you're really wanting to try it. Gotcha. So then the solution and like you guys aren't the only ones doing this, but the solution that you guys have is an actual, it's called an under quilt. So explain what that is, how it works and why it's ideal for the hammock then. Yeah. So the idea of an under quilt has been around for a long time. Um, probably like, I mean, I would say over 10 years for sure. There's this like little niche hammock, uh, we'll, we'll call it like a cult out there where they're <laughs> just like, like, cause they are like, like yeah. I said, we released a product that didn't like conform with how people really wanted to use a hammock or had been using it. And they freaked out. Like, it's crazy. Um, you know, and, and it was different. Like, it's like it wasn't built for those guys, but they had an opinion for sure. And that's fine. Um, you know, they they have been doing it a long time and they and they understand a lot of things and they're spending a lot of nights out of them. But the underquilt concept, what it is, is basically um, just a, kind of like a rectangle picture, a rectangular piece of down, right? Like a, a, a sleeping bag type 
like a blanket, sorry. But on, on each corner and different things, you've got a way to suspend that up and underneath your hammock. So they're going to come with a suspension kit that you're going to click into the carabiners or onto the line of your hammock. And then you just adjust it. So it comes up and it hugs the bottom of the hammock. It's just, you want like perfect contact between you, um, or excuse me, the hammock and the under quilt. So when you get in there, it's just hugging your backside and that's providing that warmth underneath you. Um, the best part about you know, the under quilt is it, it just works just like the hammock would, you know, you go on a diagonal, it just moves on a diagonal. You know, if you have a good suspension system, you can just kind of tug corners and it's going to adjust and hold perfectly in place wherever you want it. Um, so, so that just hugging on your backside gives you tremendous warmth and then allows you to just have that, that the true beauty and comfort of a hammock, which is being able to lay on your side and get flat. And, um, yeah, I mean, experience just, how you like like how typically people would get to experience a hammock. It's not like a pad where it's fighting against it. It it really goes right with it like a like a married couple. So yeah. Do you build do you build those under quilts a little bit more burly, I guess, than you would a top quilt? Just because it's I guess I'm imagining it's probably gonna come in contact with the ground more and stuff like that, since it's like it's not inside a tent, basically. So no. So we're no. using I mean everyone everyone's using the same fabric for their top quilts and under quilts, just like us. We're using a 10 denier fabric. So mm-hmm. just a really, really lightweight fabric. Um you know, as long as you're taking care of your stuff, you it should it's never touch the ground. Okay. Yeah, it should never touch the ground. You typically want to hang your hammock, you know, at least 18 inches off the ground. Um and that's so I mean you've got that gap. And typically what I do is I take my under quilt, I lay it in my hammock. I clip the carabiners in and then I drop it below my hammock just to make sure I'm never dragging it in the dirt. Mm. You know, the only time it should hit the ground is if you have like a gear failure, you know, and, and okay. your hammock, your hammock, whole hammock hits the ground. So on a super practical level, just as you described that when you're packing up, do you then like, do you leave your underquilt attached to the hammock, maybe put it inside the hammock and just, you know, kind of pack things up from there as well? Or do you completely, uh, let's call it disconnect or disassemble that? So I disconnect them, but, I'm not adjusting any of the bungees or anything on it. So when I click it in the next time, it's in the same position. Um, and that's more so just from me using the stuff bags and stuff that come with it. Like a hammock has a little stuff pouch on the side of it. And, and this comes, so that's, that's more of me just not like combining everything, but you, you definitely could. And then you mentioned, so the ideal is to have that under quilt, just kind of hug the contour of the hammock. So when you clip that in, um, on the carabiners or on the line, is it pretty adjustable there to like, is there much to let's say fit it to get that ideal contact, like in terms of adjustments to make, or you pretty much clip it in and generally it's good to go. Yeah. There's very, there's very little adjustments. I feel like that you have to worry about. Um, and that's just mainly due to the properties of a bungee cord. Um, you want, you want that hammock to sit or that underquilt to sit tight. And so if you get it a little bit too tight, um, you know, that bungee cord and, and the way that we do it, especially like it gives you a lot of give and leeway. So, um, it's definitely not too technical at all to, to get set up and, and get right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. And then like, like along with that, like we do a differential cut. So, um, what that means is the inner fabric is going to be smaller than the outer fabric. So even if it did get strung a little bit tight, um, by accident or just by not getting that perfect fit, it's not going to like destroy loft or anything like that. It's still going to stay lofty and, and warm. So it's really, it's really forgiving system. So in terms of insulation back inside the hammock, so with you sleeping bag quilts, do you have anything to, to look for there, considerations to make there? Or in general, if a guy already has a sleeping bag or a quilt, he's going to be able to transition that into a hammock uh, without any issue. 
Yeah. So with with that, most people are looking at this and it can get a little bit pricey to go and just buy, you know, a hammock, a tarp, a top quilt and an under quilt. You know, that can get that can get a little bit pricey. So I typically recommend people kind of, you know, you can look at doing it in phases. Um, and so if you already have a, a good sleeping bag, you can use that inside the hammock, but it's just extra weight. Like it, it, that's just all it is. You're just packing extra weight. So, you know, maybe if the first year, like, okay, I've got a few hundred dollars to go and, and give this a shot and see if I like it. Um, so do it with your sleeping bag and, and give that a few, you know, few sleeps like that. And then as you're like, as you get addicted to it or really like that style, then go switch out your sleeping bag for the top quilt. But, um, there's no, there's definitely no reason to use a sleeping bag in the hammock because it's everything underneath you is covered underneath the under quilt. And so it's just like the pad and, and a top quilt. It's the same concept. You just need a top quilt on top of you. It's also going to be much easier to get in and out with the top quilt because now you're in a hammock trying to run a zipper um, and different things like that. And so if you are using a sleeping bag in there, you know, maybe just leave it unzipped and, and tuck it around you like a blanket. Yeah. And when you say top quilt, you don't necessarily mean it's like hammock specific. You're just talking about a quilt, like a sleeping quilt, you know, to give context, like we've talked on this yeah, podcast, that Steve and I have tried, you know, like enlightened equipment, catabatic hammock gear, like those types of just general quilts, not something that's like purposely built for a hammock. Yeah. So coming from kind of the hammock community a little bit, uh, they all call them top quilts because they've had to differentiate between an under quilt and a top quilt. If they called it a quilt, then you don't know which one they're referring to. So I make that mistake a lot. Uh, we're, you know, just like at the Western hunting expo recently, I'd say like a top quilt and they're like, do you mean a quilt? You know? (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Top quilt is just the same thing as, you know, a quilt for for those of you listening. Um, what I do recommend with that is, is buy a quilt for a ground setup. And what that means is a ground setup quilt is going to be wider. So a hammock quilt might be 50 inches wide, whereas a ground quilt might be 56 inches wide. Um, so buy one for the ground setup so that it's totally usable on the ground and you have that additional coverage. And then it's going to work just fine in a hammock as well. So um, that just helps you double up on gear. What do you do with the, I guess I'm so used to using my quilt and strapping it to the pad. Um, You just kind of snug up the straps a little bit more and sleep basically on the straps. That's Um, the only option, right? For me personally, I'm not really using the straps. I use the one that like I use obviously the one that cinches around your shoulder. So I, I do our top button. Pop uh-huh. my head in and stitch that, um, but in a hammock it stays, it stays, stays around you tighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll do like if it's a really cold night or or something, I might do the one that's kind of down around your your like thigh area. I uh-huh. might just clip that behind me. Um, in our in our setup, you know, you don't need to clip that to a strap. You can just actually connect those together. Um, but for the most part, if you do that top one, it it just kind of cradles and stays on you a lot better than on a pad. On a pad it's, it's easier to get the drafts, but in a hammock, the, the under quilt's actually coming up and around your sides. Mm. And that's why, and that's why, you know, hammock campers can get away with using like 48 inch wide top quilts or quilts, um, or 50 inch wide quilts because they don't need as much coverage on the sides, um, where those straps really play a part on the ground. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Would you say that if a guy already owns a quilt and let's call it a 30 degree quilt, um, that it's still going to be sufficient at 30 degrees. Obviously the big factor there is what does his under quilt look like, but in general, like the performance of the quilt, the top quilt, the ground quilt, whatever you want to call it is going to be sufficient at that same temperature range or maybe even be able to take it colder. 
um, than he would if he was just using that on the ground with like an insulated sleeping pad. Yeah. So you, so we use the same rating for the ground or for a hammock. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I would say just whatever, whatever it's, it's rating is, it's going to be this, it's going to be pretty much the same. And you could argue maybe like, since you have slightly extra fabric or something in a hammock, you could try to pull it up on top of you, but you know, it's just, that's yeah. just preference. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So stepping back from everything we mentioned, um, just to kind of recap a setup. So you have the hammock itself uh, with your hammock specifically. That also includes your full suspension system, everything you need to hang it. Um, so that's all one, the hammock itself and suspension. You have a tarp um, and then you have your under quilts and then you have your top quilts or you obviously might already own something. But those are those are the main components of a setup for, you know, three season use essentially right correct yeah okay. there's just four and, pieces to that so yeah and so um equate that to a tent um a sleeping bag and a sleeping pad which is three pieces a lot of times a tent might be two with a fly and things like that but anyway what i'm getting at is a pretty similar setup in terms of how much you need component wise would you say that in the end and obviously there's variability here but that's going to come into a similar weight setup in general as well. If you're kind of comparing relatively lightweight gear across the board. Um, so a hammock setup totally. is not necessarily going to save you a ton of weight. It's more about like the comfort, the flexibility of setup, the ease of use, et cetera, more than it is like saving weight. Right. Yeah. So I look at this as, is kind of good, better, best. Typically what I find is that if you're using a tarp on the ground, with a pad and a top quilt, you can get into that three pound range, right? Between three to four pounds, let's say. Using a hammock, you're sitting between four and five pounds. So you're about a pound heavier than like a super, super ultralight tarp top quilt setup. Um, but then those that are you wanting like a freestanding t- type tent and a pad and a traditional sleeping bag, those typically are over that five pound mark or, or higher than that. So really it's right in between like a super ultralight guy and an ultralight traditional guy. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty competitive. Like I say, for me, when I was evaluating it for my elk hunt, um, I, I definitely, I knew that I was taking, you know, between a half pound and a pound penalty to do, um, the hammock setup, but I knew that I'd make that back up in the quality of sleep. Let's presume a guy already has a sleeping bag or a ground quilt that he's going to use. So he needs to get a hammock a tarp and then an under quilts. Um, again, there's variability here, but just from like what you guys offer, what's like a ballpark range that it would take, uh, cost wise to get into that setup for those three options. Yeah. So as of right now, we only have those options in our 800 fill power down and that tend in your fabric. And so let's say you wanted to do, I mean, what do you typically render like a 15 degree setup? Yeah, we can go with that. Mm-hmm. So 15 degree setup, um, good three season setup. You're looking at a little bit over $200 for a top quilt, a little bit over $200 for an under quilt, about two fifteen each, I believe. Um, so that's, that's going to push over that $400 mark. Our hammocks are about 70 and then our tarps are, are about 80. So all in all, you'd be a little bit over that $500 mark with the whole setup, but we are releasing. Um, so we, we, t- we talked about this for a second, but we have a new installation called loft tech. And we, we've started to actually blend that with, with it's about 80% of the synthetic Loftec, which is an imitation down. We're blending um, about 20% of that with an 800 fill power hydrophobic down. 
And so what it does is it essentially becomes like the best synthetic option out there. You can soak it wet. It stays lofted, but it looks, acts, and feels like down. Later, about January, we'll be releasing those in top quilts and under quilts, and that's going to bring down the price pretty significantly. You might be looking more like $130 for a top quilt and $130 for an under quilt. Um, but, but you're going to compare that more to about a, you know, 650 fill power down alternative. Um, so it, I, for those that are really looking at budget or those that are really scared of weather, that's a great option to look for in the future. But what's the weight penalty on, on that um, synthetic down? Um, weight penalty wise, I wish that I could tell you right off the top of my head, but you're mm-hmm. looking at about a an eight ounce difference per piece, okay. I would think. Yeah. Um, that's in the sleeping. Well, that's it's about eight to ten ounces in a full sleeping bag. So in a quilt, you might be six to eight mm-hmm. ounces per piece um, difference there. Gotcha. So if a guy's repurposing a sleeping bag or quilt, he already has that. He's just looking to get, you know, tarp hammock under quilt. He's probably in the ballpark of let's call it three fifty ish then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, to give it like a solid test too, and that's yeah. and that's with a like a a very nice under quilt, like a like I say, a super light setup. So right, one thing that I've been uh, I've played with it just a little bit with my under quilts in super warm weather for camping, and obviously I have a quilt like just a let's call it a top quilt, <laughs> a ground quilt. Um, <laughs> but even with this under quilt, it's it's flat, right? Like it's almost, I mean, obviously there's a cut to it. There's a little bit of shape, but in the end, it's more like a blanket than my quilt, which does have its own foot box, for example. I've toyed with taking that and just basically using it as like some level of sheet or something in super, you know, super basically in, in warm conditions where you don't need a full wrap and you want ventilation, you want to be able to kick it off or snuggle up in it a little bit. Have you guys used that? scenario at all um i personally haven't i could see how you do that it's definitely it'd be a little tight and you'd be forcing the issue just a hair but it i mean it's still a you know a technical piece of gear that that you could adapt to different things so you could tighten up that foot box a little bit you could get it to create a little bit height wise uh, let's see yeah short you'd be a little bit short on that but you could definitely play around with it um i mean one other one other thing that we experiment with a little bit too is you know, when you get into the four seasons, um, a lot of times layering up. So sometimes I'll say, you know, get a 30 degree top quilt and run that through the summer and into the fall. And then when you transition to the winter, you've not only got a top quilt for the summer, but now you could take that top quilt, put it inside of a sleeping bag or on the outside of a sleeping bag and build like a layering system. And you could essentially do the same thing with that under quilt. So let's say you've got a, a 30 degree top quilt, 30 degree under quilt. Um, in the summer, you know, you've got your, your setup, but you go into the winter months, use a 30 degree under quilt or top quilt, excuse me, on the ground. Maybe you take that under quilt with you still and use that as your additional blanket type piece to go inside with you or to, you know, help with drafts or whatever it is. One thing we didn't touch on that I see a little bit is just bug nets. So for hammocks, again, you're in this open space or you're not in a tent with, you know, full coverage there. Obviously, this seems like just a seasonal issue and may vary based upon your location. Do you see the use for a bug net much or is that just something you only see for certain folks in certain areas or times of the year? Yeah, during hunting season, I don't I don't touch a bug net Um, during summer months, though. Sometimes I will. Um, Typically, I don't. I'd I'd just bring a little bug spray and whatnot. But there has been times that that it's it's been nice. Most of the most of the people that are really serious about a bug net, though, are people, um, you know, back east a little bit or or in the south, um, where it's just a huge like you can't even think about doing it without that. 
Um, so yeah, that's going to add, I think 78 ounces to a setup. If you added a bug net, uh, for our, for our specific bug net, um, it's going to add a little bit, but for most people, especially Western hunters, it's really not, it's not something I think about too much. Um, usually, you know, by the time you get in your bag during the nighttime, if you're at any kind of elevation, it gets cold enough. Those bugs aren't, aren't out during the night. It's more of an issue during the day when you're, when you're moving probably. How do hammocks do for bigger guys? And, or is there any sort of like weight consideration there in terms of a weight limit? Yeah. So our single hammocks right now, um, hold up to 300 pounds and then we've got a double hammock that would go to 400. Um, you know, it depends on the weight level, right? Like there's some dudes that need to sleep in a recliner just to like, like stay elevated and whatnot. It might work actually better for them because they're not laying completely flat. They could, they could set it up. So maybe they are sitting up a little bit, but weight limit wise, um, I don't think it's a factor. I think that if you're a bigger dude, you know, look at an 11 foot hammock. Um, if you're not, then you might be able to get away with that 10 foot hammock, but, um, just, just buying that bigger hammock is, is going to help or, or assist with, with larger frame guys or heavier guys. So I'm, I'm, uh, about six, three, two twenty five, two twenty, 220. And, uh, I'm using a 10 foot hammock. It's a little bit tight for me. Um, we're going to, you know, release at some point a, an 11 foot hammock in the solo style. And that's probably what I would take in the future for that diagonal lay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's more of just the sizing than the weight. Is there anything we didn't hit um, just on the use of a hammock, selection of a hammock, stuff that were missed on what we've covered so far? I think you've been pretty thorough. You've definitely you've definitely hit it. I would say, you know, definitely go and look at what we're talking about. Maybe as you're listening to this, because it's really hard to to fully explain that. I feel like in words, like what an underquilt is and, and different things. But I will say, if you've tried a hammock in the past had a negative experience with it or whatnot. Um, it's probably because you didn't understand it. Like there's a learning curve to a hammock. And so that's why I tell people like, you got to try it out at home. Um, because you're just going to learn. So I remember for years, my brother was like inside this like hammock community, right? Where he was on these forums all the time and he was doing hammock camping. And for years he was like, dude, you got to do hammock camping. You got to do hammock camping. And I just was like, no, that looks terrible. It looks, I don't like it. I don't, you know, and I, I fought him on it for, for like two years and, and finally I tried it and it wasn't the best night of sleep that I'd ever had, but I saw this potential, you know, that light at the end of the time, like, well, if I changed this and, and did it this way, it would be more comfortable. And, and so I would do that. And, and so I would say, you know, for me, like I definitely saw the potential on, on night one. Um, and I was not doing it like the best way possible. So I would say, you know, you got to give it a shot. And I think that you'll see the potential pretty quick if you if you do it right and, and spend the time educating yourself and learning how to set it up. Um, like I say, it doesn't take it, it's it's honestly, I think, faster to set up and definitely faster to take down. Um, but that's once you're experienced. So if you spend a little bit of time learning, practicing, um, it becomes just a, a huge advantage, I think, to to stay mobile or or whatever it is you're doing. One thing that came to mind, I, I meant to ask earlier, is we were kind of comparing all the components of a hammock setup versus a, a tent and sleeping pad and all that. How much space are we talking about in the pack? Is one more efficient than the other? So I would assume, I mean, obviously you have this quote unquote extra piece of a down, down quilt, but that's probably going to compress um, better than many sleeping pads themselves. So in terms of space in the pack, would you think they're also equivalent? I would say it's equivalent to, um, like a trekking pole style setup. Um, it's going to be about equivalent in size and space. It's going to be more compressible and less in your pack compared to a traditional, you know, pole structure tent. Uh, those poles, obviously they're harder to work around. Whereas with this, 
it, everything compresses really, really small and can stuff into, you know, small spaces. So cool. Awesome. Jason, this has been good. What, um, obviously you guys have gear, so definitely let us know where they can go check out your gear, outdoor vitals. And if there's any other like resources or just good things to check out to learn more about using a hammock, um, definitely would love to hear about any of that as well. Yeah. So we do a YouTube channel. Um, if you want to go and really compare this, we have one video that, that just killed it. It's, I don't know if it's got like 400,000 views or something where I really dissect ground camping versus hammock camping. Um, so that'd be a great resource to look at. Also, if you decide, you know, I want to give this a shot, there's some more videos on that channel, you know, about diagonal lay or, or, or setting it up and whatnot. So that's a great resource to go look for. Um, YouTube has a lot of good resources. And, and so you'd find that just outdoor vitals is the name of the channel. Um, or on our website, we've got a blog. If you prefer to, to read, um, we've got some of those same articles, you know, in, in written form. So that's a great place to look as well. Cool. And that's just outdoorvitals.com. Yep. Outdoorvitals.com. Making me, making me want to reach, making me want to reach a hammock this summer just for, just yeah. give it a go. See, see if I, you know, <laughs> so there's everything, there's yeah. this natural learning curve to it. And like I said, I had, I use it for a summer and then, and then basically like, got out mid-September and it got freezing cold and I literally that's been I don't know how many years ago I have not touched it again it's sitting in my garage I still have that original hammock so kind of fun to dry yeah we need to we need to get you set up for sure I'll I'll have to talk to to you after and and, and send something your way and and let you give it a shot but um it's kind of one of those things like Steve you've been around this long enough that it seems like hunters kind of adopt things second you know oh, like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> right like hikers get going with something and then hunters are, are doing it and then yeah. you know whole brands are made and and whatnot and, it, and it's changed our industry for sure but um hammocks is one of those things that i'm like why are hunters not hammock camping um yeah. it's it's so i think it's going to get more popular um i i thought maybe that's something that we could bring into the industry as far as that goes but um we were definitely too spread to really like hammer that. But I think as uh, you know, people on your podcast, if they, if they give it a shot, I think it's going to start spreading into, into this neck of the woods. But when I go and watch, you know, videos or, or hear different hunters talking about it, almost, you know, 90% of the time, the hunters that are trying the hammocks, they're just not, they're not taking the the information that's out there and, and using it. They're, they're doing the pad in the hammock or not using insulation or, or different things. So do it smart, you know, like learn from these, from these other sectors of, of hikers and whatnot that have, that have optimized it. And, and I think, um, I think it's a fantastic setup, especially for like an early season elk hunt. So yeah. Awesome. Study the cult and drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap. I hope you guys learned something about hammocks. I know that I did, and I'm excited to give them a shot. I want to do it right this time and see how it goes. If you have any other questions, comments, suggestions, send us an email to podcasts at exomontgear.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, we would love to see a review from you in iTunes on Stitcher or wherever else you might be listening to this. Catch you next week.